everyone. Welcome to an unlicensed edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good buddy, your bosom companion, amigo Aaron, joined by a man who's wanted in three states and unwanted in 47 other states. I give you the Brent. I would say the states would be insanity, <laughs> state of confusion. I agree. I'm going to uh, 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 thoroughly enjoy this episode, Aaron. I'm glad. This is going to be a fun one. It's not I'm like the other episodes we do where you hate them the oh, entire no, yeah. time. I, I mean, this time you're really going to have a good time. You, you well, just got to bully through so you can get to the good ones. That's right. You know, in, in case you missed it last week, Brent, we spun the wheel. We made the deal. This week, we're going to be at, at basically the pie piece that's entitled, bam, illegal games or illegally published games, if you will. And, Brent, these are the games that should not have been. Something went wrong. There was a malfunction at the junction. There was a, a bad uh, judgment call. There was a uh, a law wrangling that went south. Something no, like no, that. No. I, no, no, you forgot the one major thing that all these things have in common. Yes. They really wanted money now. Yes. <laughs> this is why we don't publish games. Exactly right here. Because this is exactly the way we would do it. Now, you know... There's, it's hard to go into a whole lot of backstory. So I, I actually looked up some stuff, and I want to discuss with you. You know, this this category was far more difficult for me to find something to play in than I anticipated. But a lot of the same games kept popping up, right, on these. Now, if you let's talk about the criteria here, because we I think we both had different ideas of what we were looking at. When I heard illegally published or illegal games, I thought to myself, okay, these are games that were either destroyed or or banished because they had done something, they had not gotten the right permissions, uh, or these were games that uh, did something that was against the uh, the, the home system's uh, 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 rules. For example, they, they went back and uh, uh, beat the copy protection, something like that. But you you had a different take on this, didn't you? I mean, what, what did, when you heard the term, how did you think about illegal games in your head? Well, I, I think that it goes both ways. Yeah. Uh, I think if you would have picked a game where uh, they, like Tengen did for Nintendo, right. they they reverse engineered the copyright chip to so that they wouldn't have to pay the licensing fees through Nintendo. Uh, that's certainly one way to have looked at this category. But I did. I took a different approach. I was looking for games that. Uh, were so against the law that they spurred court cases, and that's how I made my decision. It it's funny how, I, as I was researching this and looking for a game, the same games kept popping up. So this isn't something that happens like all the time, okay? But it does happen. The well, games the games it, it, I saw a lot were, were I saw you mentioned Tension. Tension was basically Atari with a different name, yeah. And they went out and amongst other things. They, not only did they retro, not only did they uh, basically redo and beat the NES chip, and then publish stuff for it. Because so all the Tension games were on the list, but specifically their Tetris game uh, for the NES, which uh, I saw on every list of this type, where they basically put Tetris out when they didn't uh, technically have the rights to it. Of course, that's up for debate, considering the muddy waters that was the rights for for Tetris. Yeah, yeah, Tetris, I mean, that, that's a whole episode in and of itself if yeah. we wanted to go that route. Um, highly 
highly sought after license that obviously did not couldn't go to everyone, but it sure seemed like it for as many uh, the uh, as many Tetris games that are out there. Yeah. Now, one that I saw one thing come up a lot, and I wanted to get to this, and of course. We're going to go back. A lot of games, if you looked up illegal games, you got banned games. Now, we that's not what this is. These Those were games that were no. like usually smutty. I saw yeah. uh, Custard's Last Stand. All that crap come up over and over. But one that I found come up a lot was a game called Too Human. Now, this is a fairly recent entry uh, that came out in 2008 uh, from a developer called Silicon Knights. Are you familiar with this particular story, the Brent? Uh, in part, I, I know the, the gist of it. Why don't you go ahead and fill us in on it, though? Well, basically what happened was uh, the uh, a company that made this game, Too Human, again, Silicon Knights, they decided to make this game on the Unreal 3 engine. And what happened was they didn't pay for the Unreal 3 engine. Then they ended up, they made their, they and so they were like, we're going to make our own engine. And it's it's the Mun Meal Me engine, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so... Epic was like, after this, and this game was out, all right? It, the boxes, it was out. Epic's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you horked like, tons of our code. And they took it to court, and Silicon Knights got beat down. And so this and their X-Men game were ordered, destroyed, and taken off the market. And that was pretty much the end of Silicon Knights. Now that's an illegal game. Now, uh, what's funny is, see, that is a, obviously that's a, a breach of uh, copyright, because they were using code that they didn't write, and they yeah. didn't reverse engineer, they just horked. Right. Uh, we're going to be looking at a case later in the show uh, where it's a different type of copyright case, and uh, it will be interesting to talk about the differences for sure. Yeah. Uh, did you? Did you? I mean, you did you know right away what you were doing this week? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it as hard? It was a much much harder than you thought it'd be, wasn't it? No, I had several options. Oh well, I, pick, I picked this one for it it's important. It was yeah. hard for me. Listen, I had to really, and I'll go into my thought process. I guess I'll lead the dance this week, the brand. All right. Uh, I had to go in, through a lot. I had to go to dark places this week, dark, <laughs> to find this game because everything I kept picking uh, uh, ultimately either didn't fit the profile or uh, it just didn't. It just didn't do the job, man. And so I thought to myself, okay. You can the only games the only games I could find that I could truly define as illegally published games were the for, aforementioned Two Human and the X Men title that they did. But both those games are more modern, and I didn't have them to be honest with you. I probably could have found them, but I, I didn't want to look for them. So I went okay. Let's go with games that used unlicensed like IP. Okay, let's go down that road. Now that's not a road that's well trodden. Uh, but a lot of times this comes up with like basically ground roots fan made products. All right. And so I thought to myself, well, let's find something that's got at least has an interesting backstory behind it and see what I can find. Of it. So I, here's what I came up with. Uh, and so my game this week is you'll be stunned that this exists, but I swear to God, this is not, I'm not lying because I'd never heard of this. My game this week is bam, my little pony fighting is magic. Which yes. I think we could all agree with that statement. It is magical. So, My Little Pony Fighting is Magic 
was a, uh, a, a, a uh, how can I put this? It was a game that was made by the community that surrounds My Little Pony. All right. Now, before we get to, into the game proper, let's take a little walk back for those for those of the uninitiated into the uh, beautiful, lovely, glorious world of My Little Pony. Uh, My Little Pony was created by Hasbro uh, around 81, uh, and it was done by a lady named Bonnie uh, Zachary. I think it's her name, and or Zacharel. She uh, came up with these little plastic dolls called My Pretty Ponies, right? And that ultimately morphed into My Little Pony. Now, My Little Pony's been around for, uh, like I said, for many, many years. And I remember seeing these things back in the day. Little girls liked them. And it went away for a long time. Like, it was around in the 80s, and it kind of went away. And then it kind of came back in the 90s. But there wasn't much going on. All of a sudden, there was like this big revival in the 2000s. And... The reason I know a lot about this is because my kid briefly was into My Little Ponies. And I used to watch the cartoon occasionally. And yeah, and if you watch the cartoon, uh, uh, it, it was a it was about uh, a bunch of ponies that lived in like this land, a magical land called Equestria. And they all had their own gimmick. You had a kind of a, a, a hick country pony. And you had a, kind of the arrogant pony and the, a, little, a little super prissy pony. You had all different ponies. And this is how they interacted. Art was good. The uh, the voice work was good too. Believe it or not, it was a, it was actually a pretty halfway decent cartoon. I'm not gonna sit here and say I watched a ton of My Little Pony, but I, it, it is what it is. Uh, and so My Little Pony sort of made a comeback off this cartoon, and it's been riding high since then. In 2010, uh, you had uh, uh, Generation Four start up. It was uh, it, they had more of these things. And believe it or not, this year there's going to be another sort of revival of My Little Pony uh, coming out. So there's a lot of background in the area of My Little Pony. Now, with all that said, how in God's name do you go from My Little Pony or Pretty Ponies, little plastic ponies, to a My Little Pony fighting game? Well, it's funny how that works. So the story goes that uh, somewhere in back in the, in the uh, early 2010s, someone basically put up a picture of two ponies in like almost like a Ken and Ryu, who's just a picture. And the community decided this was so novel and clever that they were going to develop a game around it. <laughs> That's how it happened. So basically one of the one of the community just posted a picture. So a, a committee was formed and the committee was called the Main Six. Get it? Main. Yeah. Now a lot of people don't know this, but Main Six is also what they call the six primary characters in My Little Pony. So there was a uh, there's a tie-in there uh, with that. And so they were off to work on this My Little Pony game. Uh, there were actually a team of nine volunteers, despite the fact they called themselves the main six. <clears throat> and so they decided, what should, what gaming-type engine should we use to uh, to put this together? And so what they... the 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 game that came up the most in terms of what they thought was a quality fighting game to base th- this game on was the Marvel versus Capcom series. Okay, so this was basically their inspiration for this for this game. Uh, the game uses a, an engine called the Fighter Maker engine. Are you familiar with this one, the Brent? I'm not, but it, <clears throat> it, I'm sure it's based sort of on Mugen. It's a, well, it's uh, let me tell you something. This, I, in case you're unfamiliar with Mugen. That is a uh, basically a generic fighter maker where you can import sprites and stuff from from other fighting games and basically make your own fighting game, and it's pretty good. 
Sometimes yeah. it's brilliant. Uh, but I, having played a lot of music, this is a very tight system that they're using. I have to say, and it's one thing having played this, uh, it's it is much. It's very combo centric, Brent. It's right up your alley. So, what are you playing in this game? Uh, the game, the premise of the game is you're you're picking one of your funnies. Now, when this thing first came out, I think they decided they were going to have like seventeen playable ponies in this. Uh, but they never got that many, which we'll get to. We'll get to why here in a second. So they started work on this thing, and they kept it going. Now, keep in mind, they had no permission to do any of this work. Okay, but it had been the My Little Pony experience when they did little fan stuff like that. That generally Hasbro didn't hassle them. Okay, they would pretty much let them do what they wanted because Hasbro liked having a community, a, a good relationship with their fan community. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever seen any footage. A few years ago, there was a phenomenon that got a lot of press called, uh, 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 where they had bronies. These are men that really liked My Little Pony, right? And so this got a lot of press. And so you got to see a lot of, I think they did a documentary on it, Brent. And it, But what you did get to see was all these My Little Pony uh, conventions, you know, in gatherings, and these things weren't small, man. These were these were huge events, you know. And Hasbro was all up in them, so they had a pretty good working. Uh, uh, you know, they had they worked with the community pretty well. They didn't have a lot of strife, and so the main six just assumed that Hasbro would be okay with their game, and so they went to work on it. And they had not, as of uh, October twelfth, two thousand eleven, they'd been working on it for for a couple years, and they had had no no conversations with Hasbro at all and at that point since the game had they had basically had been previewed they assumed everything everything was working well so they kept working on this uh the footage that they released early on showed uh twinkle uh, twilight sparkle pinkie pie uh, rarity fluttershy and applejack okay these are all ponies by the way in case you're unfamiliar with it and then uh they were at that point. They were not showing the very popular Rainbow Dash, who would come later. So they worked on this, and right around summer of 2012, uh, someone leaked the uh, uh, early release of the game. It was like a pre-build, okay. And guess where they released it to? This is what I like about this because listen, if there's going to be shenanigans with My Little Pony, you know it's going down on 4chan, and that's where. Of all the places to have leaked this, it was 4chan. They leaked this game, and it was a developer's version that really made the main six mad. And so they, because they were they were distributing the game for testing to like a bunch of external testers, they completely stopped and went on the war path. Right. However, they calmed down, and they decided, okay, we're we're we overreacted. We're not gonna we're not gonna get mad. So the game stayed in production. Until uh, a fellow from GameSpot did a a piece on the game, he'd got wind of it, right? So all of a sudden, the game is starting to get press. Okay, yeah, and and you don't want that. That yeah, <laughs> and so they're well in right now. They, right, because right, they've got the engine, they've got the all, all, most of the backgrounds. All they need now is to just finish up the ponies and you know tie it all up, good to go. Well. They were working, working along, and bam, February thirteenth, uh, or you you start the the wheels come off. They get a letter of cease and desist from Hasbro, 
who who tells them basically, yeah, you can immediately stop doing this or we're going to drop the hammer. And so <clears throat> the game was ultimately had to be abandoned right at that point. Now, the the story has a has a nice ending. Uh uh because they what happened was the gate they, they did cease production of My Little Pony fighting his magic. But what they did was they took this game and they basically uh redid all the characters in it. Okay? So you can't obviously you couldn't release stuff because Hasbro would would kill you. So what they did was they just basically turned the horses into stuff like goats and 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 uh, uh, let other unknown horses and and uh, you know whatever you can find dogs. I don't know what all's in here, but they, they ended up coming out with a game. Uh, believe it or not, in 2018, the same engine, the same people, and it's called Them's Fighting Herds. Have you heard of this one? No. <laughs> You don't like them's fighting herds? That's a great name, I thought. <laughs> this was from Main Six, again released in 2018. They're still working on this, by the way. Uh, the uh, the Microsoft Windows version came out in 2020. Linux just came out a few months ago, March 25th of this year. Okay, uh, this was a uh, I believe it was an Indiegogo they used to back them's fighting herds, and they they got their goal. It, they didn't like landslide the goal, but they got enough vote uh, money in there to do the Linux version, which they did. They came through on everything they said they would do. Uh, them's fighting herds has a very rich uh, uh, environment here. You've got like a lobby where it's like an over, uh, a 16-bit top-down view of like you can walk your punch around this village and chat with each other. It's got a very intricate story mode. It's got uh, online play. It's got every. I was watching this thing. It looks great. And it all came from My Little Pony fighting his magic. So if you're, and by the way, it's available on Steam. So if you want to play them's fighting herds, and I suggest at some point, Brent, I didn't want to play it. I didn't play it because I thought maybe someday we might try it. Uh, them's fighting herds, one of our fighting games. In fact, the next time fighting games come up, it's going to be them's fighting herds. I can tell you that right now. We're going to pick that. So the history of, of My Little Pony fighting his magic. Now let's talk about the game proper. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, again, this was a game that was not finished, but someone went in, some some cute people, some funny people, they went in and they actually uh, made this game playable and they released it to be a, a, as something you could download and play. The story mode's really not there. You've only got, uh, I think, seven. I think you can have up to nine ponies. I think there are seven available at release. And you pick your pony and then you go to work. This plays like any other fighting game you could think of in terms of it's got, you know, kicks, punches, but you're all horses. And so it does add, it does add some unique aspects. Like I was playing Pinkie Pie earlier. One of her primary attacks is to lick you. Yeah. <laughs> Deadly. You know, and, uh, uh, one of the horses, Applejacks, has a, uh, has a, a, a rope that she kind of whips you with. They do tail whips, but there's it's heavily... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Fredo. He corrects me. It's ponies, not horses. My bad. Same thing, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, the uh, the fighting is very combo-centric uh, when you play it, including lots of air juggles and stuff. Stuff that, like, it's, <laughs> it's real uh, advanced. Let's put it that way. When you play this game, it is not boring. I can tell you that right now. It's nonstop action. They also have super moves, just like you would find in Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, where it, there's projectiles. Everything you would expect to be in a fighting game is in here. Uh, I will say that the version of this I played 
it worked. You had to do some stuff from a really ugly pull down menu, like set up your joysticks and. Uh, uh, but you can you can pause the game and change your stage on the fly. It had some awesome music. I will say that the art and the music in this thing are off the shelf good, uh, and uh, it's a it plays pretty well. And I think it's actually pretty clever. Now I know Brent, you got a chance to play this. What were your thoughts on the old My Little Pony fighting his <clears throat> magic in terms of a fighting game? Well, let's. I need to take a few steps back here. All right, uh, and we need we need to discuss the legality of this. Okay. It's uh, illegal. <laughs> com- this, no question, uh, they were using intellectual property that they did not own. Yeah. Uh, there's no gray area. Um, now, they never, my understanding was they never intended to sell the My Little Pony version of this, correct? That's what they say, but you never yeah. know. And that's much like Hasbro, they didn't know either. You can say anything, you know? So, as a fan project, I, I think Hasbro was a bit out of line. Uh, I yes, you have to protect your intellectual property or lose it, and that whole load of garbage. What a load of garbage, by the way. What a stupid law. Uh, but uh, so they had to basically step in and end this, which is unfortunate because although I do not know anything from the My Little Pony universe, uh, what you? I, I know nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, the game is incredibly colorful. Uh, yep. The animations are impeccable. The The fluidness and everything is, is downright impressive. <clears throat> Using a, a four-legged creature uh, and putting them into a fighting game where the moves and the reach make sense had to have been challenging because that's, that's just not typically how people think now a lot of the fighting moves when they do them uh they will stand up in a more uh, upright you know humanoid stance and throw punches and kicks but not always uh and i think that the animations on how they did the special moves and just your regular punch punch and kick moves were amazing also this is a the version that we had is a four button game yeah um and really it's it's Much like Marvel vs. Capcom. A, B, C, and then D would have been a, a special, something that wasn't a punch or a kick. It usually did something else. Yeah. Um, I kind of liked that. I thought that was, I thought that worked okay. It, it, for what this was, it was, yeah. it was very good. I mean, you don't need, <clears throat> you don't need six button action here. I, I think the combo system that they have in, in uh, they put into this is incredible. It's the stunningly chains, good, isn't it? <laughs> the chains feel very natural. Yes. Um, now, I do think that you don't do enough damage and you build your super meter too slowly. Uh, but those are, are tweaks that are probably subject to the build that we played more so than the game proper. Because this game has a ton of different builds. A ton of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we played, I tried to pick the. I tried to pick the one that was the final build the of this, official, but I found another one. Yeah, I, I found but, one after, after this. But also, there's a lot of fan tweaked ones. Yes. So yeah, it's it it finding an official version of this is not easy. Oh, there right. is none. But finding one that's like the the penultimate version is it, not easy. I agree. Uh, the backgrounds are playful. Uh, they have different night and day scenes. Some of yeah. them do. Uh, 
the pony as all are uh, voice acted. I'm guessing they pulled clips from the show. Yeah, or maybe they had all just... the original voice actors that. Yeah, they pulled clips from the show. You know, a couple things. It I all it oh, all sorry. works so well um, that it, it's now this is very off brand. I think. I think. I don't know the source material, but this is very off brand for the for My Little Pony. And no. I don't imagine that. Well, I, I mean, I don't think. I don't think the My Little Ponies go into one on one fighting on every. Oh, episode. oh, you mean the act? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking the art and stuff. I mean, this is. Oh no, directly. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But, but I think from a Hasbro's perspective, they didn't want this to uh, reflect poorly on their brand being a violent, more of a violent tendency. One would wonder who this was aimed at because I can't imagine little girls. Wanting to do this, this would make well, them cry. I think when you saw the My Little Ponies fighting, like I mean, violently going to war in a battle. But I mean, on the flip side, you the- obviously are 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 uh, unaware of the extent of the My Little Pony fan base. Well, I I know what she. I'm not saying someone wouldn't appeal to me. It's, it's an I I can see why Hasbro looked at this and was like, Nah, I don't yeah. think we want that. Now you that's. Know, that said, I, I, something I want to throw in here: Would I play this as a fighting game? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think it. I, I wouldn't pick this over Darkstalkers or X Men versus Street Fighter. Let's not get silly. However, uh, there's a lot to learn, uh, and the the moves feel fair for the most part. Uh, I'm not huge on some of the inputs on how you have to pull them off. But they're all usually Street Fighter moves, you know, down to forward button, uh, charge moves, double taps. Uh, so they didn't reinvent the wheel. But I think what they did do, what they put together, was a very solid game. You know, we've, me and you have played a lot of these, like, homemade fighting games. They range from uh, unplayable to astoundingly good. Uh, because there are some people in that community that know how to put together a, a fighting game. They're they're guys that know the the stuff that we don't know, the real yeah. minutia, right? Clearly, this is on the upper echelon of that scale. In terms, someone knew they had a vision of what they wanted, and they managed to get these characters to do the stuff that made the game work, and also knew the actual basics of what makes a fighting game good. This is a little too combo-y for my taste. I know you love this stuff. But I mean, anything that has these sorts of strong combos, air juggles. That again, it's this is difficult stuff to kind of go through. Uh, I should mention that you know the uh, uh, the My Little Pony friendship is magic stuff. A lot of the characters stuff uh, in that were conceived by an artist named Lauren Faust. Uh, when this got taken down, she volunteered to uh, provide original character designs. For any of the uh, main six's future stuff, so I'm pretty sure she's the one that did the stuff for them's fighting herds uh, hmm. when this came out. So that shows you the kind of they got a lot of backing. Yeah, well, it, I think it's because they took the time and they went to made a quality quality product. What I that that will get you a lot of uh, dap at the in the uh, the industry behind the scenes type yeah. affair. You know, one one other thing I want to mention is when this was in pre pre production, the working title was called. Marvel versus Klopcom, which had to be said. <laughs> I like the idea. That <laughs> Marvel versus Klopcom would have also been a good one uh, to to name it. So, 
Uh, it's fun to see that this game succeeded. It's out right now, sort of. You know, you won't be able to play the My Little Pony characters, but having looked at them as fighting herds, uh, the characters are just as cute, the backgrounds are just as colorful, and the music on this is off the charts good. So I, I think this is something that is, believe it or not, I think this is something worth looking at. You can pick up, you can't pick up Fighting is Magical. You can download it for free, but you can actually download Them's Fighting Herds on Steam uh, for $14.99. And I should mention that IGN uh, gave the gave that game 8 out of 10. So <laughs> there you go. So that's my entry this week into Illegal Games. I did the best I could uh, given what uh, the limited choices, the Brent. Now, you, on the other hand, I, in fact, I, we should probably get into it before we talk about your game. I initially disputed uh, uh, your your choice uh, this week because I didn't think it met the, met the spirit of the category. But once I sat down and thought about it, of course, we had a vote where I got crushed on the Discord. Uh, but once I sat down and thought about it, and, and I also I said that before I had started looking hard, and once I realized how difficult it was to find something, uh, and how the and the rarity of what you had to talk about, I want to say that I, t- I changed my mind. So now I'm giving you permission to go ahead with your game. Oh, thanks, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I chose Casey Munchkin for the Odyssey Two, and a lot of people uh, don't even know that this is a a illegal game. And let's talk about the game first, and then we'll talk about what makes it illegal. Uh, Casey Munchkin is a maze chase game where you play as a character who navigates a, an assortment of mazes, uh, eating uh, munchies, and are being terrorized by pursuing ghosts, pursuing monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't get us sued. <laughs> <laughs> and what makes this very unique is the maze element of it is can be set to random or have a set pattern of mazes. Uh, and the munchies that you eat actually travel around the maze. And as you eat more and more of them, uh, they actually get faster and faster running away from you. It's a very unique take uh, on the, on the uh, uh, maze chase setup. Uh, a few of the things that, are unique about uh, Casey Munchkin is there is a mode where you can design your own mazes, which by I mean that. huge yeah. back in the day. Um, and then there are mazes that are invisible or that will only become visible if you're not moving. Uh, some in, some really intelligent design to make a maze chase game a little more interesting than its common uh, uh, clones or, you know, other people who have navigated this type of, of game. Uh, now, we had Casey Munchkin back in the day, Aaron, if yeah. you do remember. I do. And I we still played, own two copies. We played the heck out of it. Yeah. Um, this was my probably my third favorite Odyssey game uh, behind uh, Pickaxe Pete and uh, Quest for the Rings. But this was something... Uh, Quest for the Rings, you really couldn't play solo. And um, Pickaxe Beat was my all-time favorite game. I But this was a fun solo game where you just you saw how far you could get because you had one life and 
as soon as you died, that was it. You it recorded your score and and it sent you back to the beginning. But the sending you back to the beginning really didn't mean much because if you ever got bored of the normal uh, flow of stages, you could always go to a different aspect of the game, either making mazes or going to random mazes and stuff like that, and still have a really good time. Now, Aaron, what game would you say this reminds you the most of? Well, I know you're, it's Pac-Man, obviously. Okay. But I'll go ahead with your stick. I've got some definitive answers on what I think about this whole thing. Go on. Well, uh, I let's let's talk about this. Let's let's break it down a little bit. So you agree that this reminds you if you had to describe what this game was, you would describe it as Pac-Man like, correct? Yes. yes, I would. Okay. When they when uh uh Phillips was making this game, their plan was they were going to get the rights to from uh Namco for Pac-Man. And they were going to bring it to the home console market for the Odyssey 2. And they started making the game and going after the rights at the same time. And what happened was they said, hey, you know, we want to license this. And they said, sorry, Atari paid for exclusive rights for the home console port of Pac-Man. And obviously, that put a huge damper in, in Phillips' plan. So they said, you know what? We're just going to make our own uh, maze chase game, and we're going to be really careful not to get sued. You know, we don't want... We want a game that is in the spirit of Pac-Man because it's a maze chase game, but we do not want to make a game that is so similar that we're going to get in trouble for it. And off went Ed Everett to put this game together. The master. Yes. And (laughs) he worked really hard in making something that was similar but different. And, of course, everyone knew they were going to get sued because Atari had already been on a war path. Uh, They paid a lot of money to get those exclusive rights, and they crushed anyone that got in their way. What's kind of funny is uh, there's a game called Jawbreaker that is very much a Pac-Man clone. Far more than most of the Pac-Man clones are out there. Their difference being that you ate candy instead of eating whatever, dots, and you were a set of teeth that went around a maze and you ate all the candy in the maze. Uh, When they got sued... They well first Atari said you know cease and desist you have to get rid of this you can't sell this uh, and the people who made Jawbreaker was like screw you Atari we're gonna do what we want if a court tells us this is illegal then we'll shut it down but you know we're not gonna just listen to you and Atari of course sued so they took him to court and uh, Jawbreaker won Jawbreaker they said yeah Jawbreaker different enough not really Pac Man. And they, the creators of Jawbreaker said, you know, that's, you know, I, I'm glad we won, but this could be really bad for the video game industry. Uh, I think they knew that they had a clone of Pac-Man. And when they won their court case, they were like, oh, crap. 
you know, other people are going to start stealing our games too. So Atari said, you know, we're going to file an appeal, which for those that don't know in the U.S. courts, just because a lower court says something, it can be bumped up the line uh, going from, you know, city to state to Supreme Court. You know, there's different levels of court. And whatever the higher court says, it trumps whatever the lower courts say. So Atari's said, yeah, we're going to take these drawbreaker guys to court. Again, we're going to appeal the, the ruling. And they knew they were going to win. And the jawbreaker people knew that they were going to win because their game was a Pac-Man clone. And they settled out of court before it actually got appealed. And it was... That's good. It's good that they settled out of court because they would have definitely lost. So now it's Phillips's turn. And they said, yeah, you know, our game is different. Here are nine different things that make our game incredibly different than Pac-Man. And the Pac-Man people, or Atari, said, yeah, well, here's 22 things that make your game exactly like our game. And off the court they went. So the lower court said, you know what, this is, this is a maze chase game, but you can't copyright themes. You can't copyright you know, going navigating a maze. That's not a copyrightable thing. And besides that, Casey Munchkin is different enough from Pac-Man that we are going to let you keep selling it. And Phillips was like, sweet. <clears throat> and Atari said, you know, we're going to appeal the decision. That's complete bullcrap. So they beat getting Pac-Man to market. Uh, Casey Munchkin was released in 1981. And Aaron, we know that this was a huge seller. This was actually the number one selling game uh, for the Odyssey 2. Yeah, this is one of the few times where I thought, like, man, we're ahead of it. We really got something with this one. This actually sold systems. Many yeah. people bought this because they... Pac-Man, uh, for those that weren't around for this time, <coughs> Pac-Man was a huge deal. Yeah. An absolute huge deal. Uh, it brought in billion quarters, a billion plays in the arcade. So getting to market first with something that you could play a Mace Chase game at home was a huge deal, and they did it first. And Atari uh, was scrambling because now they have the rights to for a Pac-Man game. Uh, just because Casey Munchkin wasn't named Pac-Man, they they thought they were getting screwed, so they appealed the process and took him to court again. Well, the second, the higher court, the seventh seventh district court, ruled in favor of Atari, saying, "Yes, this is just a Pac-Man clone. You can't sell this. Pull it off the market immediately." But the reason how they looked at it is so backwards in the way that we think today that it's hard to step back and accept what the court ruled. What the judge basically said was, no one cares about the art of a game. And if you put this out there, people are going to think that it's Pac-Man. And if they think that it's Pac-Man, then it is Pac-Man. And even though uh, Phillips 
went very hard and said, we are never going to mention Pac-Man in our advertising. We're never going to mention Pac-Man on our box art. We're never going to make the comparison. Uh, when they got out there and stores were advertising the game, they were saying things like, just like Pac-Man, or this is Pac-Man, but for the Odyssey. And you can't do... I mean, you know, Phillips didn't have any control over that. <clears throat> but that was the damning piece of evidence that really broke the camel's back on this and made the court rule for Atari. On top of that, and that I can at least... I don't like saying that gaming isn't art and no one cares about the players. It's all about, you know, the initial impression. I hate that. But I can understand how people would feel that way in 1981. Here's what really killed it for me. The judge said that another reason why this is just like Pac-Man is Pac-Man was a non-violent game targeting women to get women into arcades, Weird. and you did the exact same thing. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a multiple stretches on that. <laughs> judge, judge, idiot. And, and here's why this is important, right? Keishi Munchkin. A fun game. A lot of people enjoy it. Some people don't. That's all good, right? But this, the historic significance of Casey Munchkin makes it one of the most important video games of all time because it kind of set the groundwork for how copyright works when it comes to video games. Art, you can draw a picture of a of an apple, right? You can't copyright that I drew this picture of an apple. The only way that art is really copyrightable is if you physically take that <clears throat> that someone else's inter interpretation of an apple, make it, and then claim it as your own, right? You can't do that. Of course, uh, music, you can't copyright, you know, the A, D, B flat run of notes. It you have to say that someone has stolen a large chunk of music for it to be something copyrighted. Video games are now under this law umbrella that says if you are thematically similar, you have a chance that you are going to be uh, committing copyright infringement. And that is so mind-blowing in the world that we live in today. Now, you don't see a lot of people push this issue. And I think if you did, we'd be living in a very different landscape. But the way the courts work in the United States, once something is ruled, that's it. Now, the Supreme Court wouldn't take this case up. They, they said, no, you know, we ain't going to do it. So if push came to shove, there is a chance if someone sued someone else for copyright infringement uh, and it got pushed up to the Supreme Court, rulings could change. But as it sits right now, it's a scary video game world we live in when it comes to copyright. My personal opinion is I prefer to see the board game copyright you where you can't in board games, you can't copyright a rule set. You can't copyright a theme. 
you can't copyright anything except the literal art of a game, and that's it. You can't, you know, the concepts and stuff, you can't copyright. So, Aaron, I know you have opinions on this. What are you thinking? Well, I want to just jump back for a second just to talk about the game, right? <clears throat> because, I mean, let's face facts. This is a Pac-Man variant, if you will, or a... Or, uh, a, a uh, Base chase game. A different take on the theme. But first of all, this crushes, crushes the Atari 2600 version. By, Irrelevant. I mean, it crushes. No, no, I'm just talking about my... I'm talking about the game. Okay. okay. Uh, this game is great. Maze editor, check. Some mazes in this where the only way you can go between different sectors of the maze is to go through the ghost house as it rotates. The, I mean, I've got to give credit to uh, to uh, uh, Ed Everett who put this together. And you mentioned your favorite games on the Odyssey were this and Pickaxe Pete and Quest Rings. Ed Everett did them all. Yeah, he I did know. all those. Yeah, he did almost almost all of the Odyssey Two library was Ed Everett. He did almost all the good stuff. I think the only thing, one of the things I don't see on here is Killer Bees. I don't think that was him. He did everything on the Odyssey 2. This guy was the King Dong of Odyssey 2, all right? So I'm going to give that guy double props. Yeah. Right? Secondly, uh, uh, the, the, the dots moving in this is great. That's a, what a gr brilliant concept. Instead of just having dots all over the place, I love that. I mean, this game really, of all the Pac-Man clones to get taken to court, and you know why they did it? Because Atari saw this come out and they're like, "Man, this crushes what we got." You know, this ain't good. Uh, but I mean, if you well, think a about note it, on that, yeah, uh, Atari was so af wanted to get to market so bad so they could stop all these lawsuits. Yeah, uh, the Atari twenty six hundred cart that was released was basically a prototype. It was never really meant to go to market, and but they were like, "Screw it, put it in a box, let's go." Yeah. <laughs> The one thing people don't know, the guy that did the Pac-Man for the 2600, of course, he was under the gun. They wanted it next amount of weeks. One of those deals. Sort of like E.T. And you know how that went, you know, because you're taking quality programmers and giving them a ridiculous window to program in. Well, he had six months that's as opposed still, to six weeks. Right, but you put yeah. together... Okay, here, we got, here's six months. Put together the most popular game of all times and make it great. It's like, uh... Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but the funny thing is, as horrible as that was, uh, that guy made he—he uh, he was one of the first guys to share in the uh, royalty program at Atari, and he made eighteen billion dollars yeah. for that game. So he it worked out good for him, no, not for anybody else. But this game is, uh, in terms of fun factor, this is a, 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 several factors ahead of Atari Pac-Man. It's funny we just covered the Bally Astro Arcade a couple weeks ago. There's a game on that I think it's called Munch Man. Something like that. And it is identical to the arcade Pac-Man. It yeah. also crushes the Atari version. I mean, crushes it, by the way. But it's identical to the arcade. It's got the tune. It's got the exact same maze with the same music. It's got every, it's got the cherries. It's got everything. Right? So how did the how's that thing walking around unsued? While this, you know, and this got taken to court. Well, I think uh Atari thought this was a bigger threat, which is uh, which and they were probably right. Because despite the fact that this thing got taken off the shelves, you can find this thing. It's by far the most uh, seen Odyssey cartridge there is. I see this game everywhere. Well, it's the most sold, too. Yeah, I pick up, I've picked <laughs> up a box. I picked up the last box I picked up just because I saw it sitting there, and I was like, well, 
I guess I'll just buy this too. You know, I've already got it. And I picked it up. You had to have it. I'm not just going to leave it there. You know, so as a game, this is a great game. I know uh, we were talking to our buddy Rushi in the chat. He hates this game. Uh, in Discord, we were talking about it. I don't understand why Rushi hates him. He's the only person I've ever met that didn't like it. This is a great game. It's a must play. If you're going to play any uh, Odyssey 2 stuff, and uh, Mitsuyama reminds me, yes, there's also invisible mazes in here as well. Great stuff. Now, if you move on to the court case, uh, uh, again, this just goes to show you, this is what happens when a court that's sort of ignorant makes a call. And that happens a lot. You see a lot of ignorant judges do ignorant crap. Uh, and But on the flip side, there's no doubt that this is a Pac-Man clone. And there's also no doubt in my mind that stores build this as a Pac-Man. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? You're trying to make a bunch of money. You're going to put ads in the paper that says, look, Odyssey 2's Pac-Man's here. Come get it. And, it, you know, and that's what they did. So as much as I hate what Atari did, and, as, and they're, of course, they're super litigious anyway, uh, you know, they were they were right. It is a Pac-Man ripoff. It's just they took what Atari did and just did it 10 times. I prefer this to arcade Pac-Man by a long shot. Pac-Man, yes. Yeah. I'll, I prefer Miss Pac-Man over, over all of it, but well, uh, original Pac-Man, yes. Yeah. Now, see, I have flip-flopped back and forth over this. And uh, uh, from a from a legal standpoint, I, I like dabbing into these little legal things and i i, I am certainly no lawyer and, and no. my my knowledge of the law is surface deep at absolute best however it it's hard it's hard because the main issue that the law that the judge frowned upon was is there going to be marketplace confusion? Are people going to look at this game and say, hey, that's Pac-Man? And it's unfortunate that Maze Chase games, it's just like Q-tip, right? What is a Q-tip, Aaron? A Q-tip is a little stick with a fuzzy end on it. It's a cotton swab. Okay. Right? But no one ever calls them cotton swabs. They only call them Q-tips. So like Frisbees. Or exactly. Flying disc, it's a Frisbee. So when you have that type of market penetration, I can understand where if you put out something that looked like a, a Pac-Man maze chase game and your character was a face that opens and closes its mouth that eats dots that is being chased by ghosts. I cannot say that there is not going to be any market uh, uh, confusion. However, this is so far beyond what Pac-Man is. It has so many different ideas. It has so many different uh, uh, aspects. And in the end, like the things like the invisible mazes, being able to construct your own maze, None of that mattered. That none of that was important because the core of the game is a maze chase that looks like Pac-Man. So it's very frustrating, and I, I still haven't made up my mind. I've actually racked my brain thinking about this for hours and hours and reading different source materials on the subject of do I think this ruling was justified 
I don't know. What you know, do you think, Aaron? Well, do you think what, that- here, let me let me tell you what I I'm gonna I can take this to the house right here. I think uh uh the guys that make the Odyssey wanted a Pac Man. Okay, clearly they tried to license it. Okay. When they didn't get the license, they told their guy, Ed, they said, Listen, make us a game that's that won't get us in trouble, okay? Listen, they were trying to rip off Pac-Man. That's their goal. Okay. If you look at the box art, it's just different enough to not be Pac-Man to let the people know it's a fine line. We need you to make box art that tells people, hey, this is Pac-Man without saying it's Pac-Man. Okay. That's the whole goal of this. So their whole goal was to have a Pac-Man. Let's let's not fool ourselves. It was the strength of this man's brilliance, his programming prowess, and his ability to generate a fun game that lifts this past what it actually was supposed to be, which was a ripoff of Pac-Man. This guy's, uh, the guy cranked up something that was awesome from the ashes of something that was just going to be a Pac-Man ripoff. So I think you look at this game as a, as a exercise in programming genius and games genius, and then but you the rest of it, it is what it is. They were making a Pac-Man clone, and they got caught with their hand in cookie jar. That's the way I look at it. So you think the the court was justified? I mean, ultimately, it's a Pac-Man. That's if you again, everything in this is aimed to get you confused with this a Pac-Man. But and, and it's not like this is the only culprit. You know, I don't want to. Oh it no, out. yeah, there were. But, but I mean, tons. Like I said, we're looking at the boxer. If you watch the video, it's it's two furry creatures that sort of look like shaped like ghosts chased around another guy that's sort of shaped like a Pac-Man, and he's going around eating multicolored dots in a maze. That's Pac-Man. I mean, they're they're making it look like Pac-Man. Uh, it, it, so that's and that's ultimately what it is. So, in my opinion, uh, still a great game. It's still easily available. I mean, you can pick these up for a song uh, if you've got an Odyssey. I, I can't imagine anyone having an Odyssey and not having this. Yeah, being on the market for almost two full years, yeah. uh, it sold its fair share of copies and then can never be sold again so there you go yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a unique game you know before we leave this category brent just some closing thoughts if we, if we may uh it's interesting to delve into this area involving the courts and whatnot and 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 permissions do you see this sort of thing i mean it's, do you think this is pretty much gone away or, or is this something that you think is going to grow we're going to see more games get pulled off the shelves this sort of thing uh, is this something we're going to see uh, happen a lot more or maybe not hardly happen at all no you you see it all the time you see it all the time in modern gaming uh pubg tried to sue saying that you know you can saying that they own battle royale and not the the concept but you can't have a game where you run around and collect guns and and then shoot in a, an arena that closes in on itself. You know, they said that's ours. You can't do it. And the court said, no, they can do it. They're different enough. No one's going to look at Fortnite and think that it's PUBG. Yeah. And yeah. And, and in the end, that's what matters. And that is so frustrating uh, because I think. Uh, there are aspects out there that are much much closer to copyright infringement than Casey Munchkin was to Pac-Man. Yeah. But they changed their visuals enough, which I don't think should that should matter uh to not, you know, not be in trouble. It's, so, it's, but no, this is going to keep going forever and the reason why it's going to keep going on forever is money. It's always about the money. I wanted to pick desperately 
Fighters History for this episode, but I couldn't because Fighters History won their court case. But this, yeah, this all, I mean, this is not the first time this has happened where a genre, a game that's uh, been made popular in a certain genre, that whoever makes it decides that no one else can play there. Yeah. And I think ultimately you're correct. Think about it. Uh, you could you could do the same thing for fighting games and driving games and sandbox games. Uh, so yeah, I have a feeling we're not uh, out of court yet. And as a person who personally goes to court, I can tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable suits worn on those various days. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uncomfortable, here's my uncomfortable transition to the wheel, Brett. The wheel. All right. So we've got a whole new stock of pieces that came in last week, and I've added another one to the wheel. You know what? I said I'm not going to mess around anymore, and I put the most dangerous one on here. Brent, if I can wheel over to it here. I can't, I can't even look at it. It's the uh, Benetone AY-3-8500 core, suggested by Hermski. I don't know what this is, uh, but it scares me a lot. I'll That's not that the right most now. dangerous on there, but it's it's up there. It's and up then there. as our retro rewind piece, a surprisingly popular uh, show we did back in the day. I put the Jupiter Ace back on there. Ooh, it's got an Ace there on. All right, do you have any any thoughts you what you'd like to see to come up this week, Brent? Chat choice. I want to leave it to the people. Chat choice. But those guys are crazy. All right, here we go. <laughs> huh? Huh? And we're off. Get a good tight shot here. And the winner is the Jupiter Ace. It's Ace time, y'all. Jupiter retro, Ace. Man, it's been a long time since we retro rewind, Aaron. A yes, it has. A long time. Do you recall what we played on the Jupiter Ace episode? I know that I was incredibly ill that day. And you I, were. I, I, I dressed up in a shower curtain. Yes, you did. I and, don't know why. It's because it was a Halloween episode. That's and, why. And, I remember I had the microphone because we were wearing lapel mics at the time. Yeah. And my microphone was covered for half the show. Yeah. 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 I remember so that. That it, tells me that this was definitely one of our older episodes. Yeah. This was uh, actually uh, October 27th, 2019. Uh, we covered uh, Jumpman and Attic Raid uh, yes. on that episode for the Jupiter Ace. Listen, the Jupiter Ace, a neat machine. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping that's one. I haven't checked, but I'm hoping that's on the uh, Mister. But we'll see. I, I know we can emulate it. We've done it. So that means next week, Brent, we'll be back in action, full force uh, with the Jupiter Ace computer. Uh, Brent, you had a couple names you wanted to mention here as we close this thing out. Yes, we we got two new supporters last week, uh, and unfortunately, I have not been able to get them into the closing credits. But I want to say hello and, and thank you very much. To David Terrence and Super Tech Boy uh, for their support, and hopefully uh, next week we'll have an all new video. So get your fill of Kung Fu Master, for it will be going away very soon. There you go. Hey, you know we've been. I think I've been plugging this on this show more than we have on the Amigas, but I'm going to plug it again. I can't stop. I won't stop. It's Amigathon. Look, whoop, Amigathon 2021. Uh, it's coming at you at your face. July 24th, 2021, at, uh, uh, it will be happening. 12 hours of nonstop action, followed by 12 more hours of nonstop action. Uh, we've already signed up uh, a, uh, several people for that second 12 hours, Brent, including uh, the very popular Jack Flack will be involved. Our good buddy, the master printer, uh, Wide Wide World Gaming, uh, Dave Z, and we just uh, got Stevie 
from uh, Steven Stroh from the uh, Coco Talk gang. He's going to be doing an hour in there too. So we're going to have a lot of cool, cool uh, guest streamers on that second half of the uh, marathon. It should be a lot of fun. Myself, you, Boat, our good buddy John Marshall, probably all the usual suspects from around here, the Chud, uh, Good Matt. We'll have them all coming around. It should be a happening, Brent, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I also want to give a quick shout-out to uh, a couple other uh, people that were doing uh, charity events. Uh, the guys over at Pints and Amigas uh, a week ago did a great charity event, uh, raising money for a little girl in their area, and it was a, it was a happening. And our good buddy Frodo did a charity event yesterday, and it was very successful in his event. So congratulations, Frodo. Uh, he's another guy who's a top-shelf top shelf streamer, uh, making the rest of us look like garbage. Now, uh, Brent, any final thoughts on the Jupiter Ace before we take it to the house? Uh, it should be fun to revisit. Yes, I agree, with you. I agree with you on that. So, thanks for joining us. We appreciate y'all. And until next week, adios. Court's out. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Ram, WFETKey, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Slow Morris, Frodo NL, Steve Rathmason, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroology, Hermsky, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.